Uh, I want to show you some statistics real quick about um, community. So we're just going to run through these, all right? Um, these are coming from different books and articles. Uh, one, one of the articles says that uh, we're in a loneliness epidemic, that individuals gather less, and when we gather, our bonds are less meaningful. There's a measurable decrease in confidants or people who you're close to, folks you can talk to about important matters. So in 1985, 10% of Americans said they had no one with whom to discuss matters. That's gone up to 25% in 2004, which I know is very recent data. Um, <laughs> sorry, it's the best we could do. Next slide. Uh, so in the 40s, you can see uh, total, what is that, like 33,000 people who you, you know, replacement confidants, okay, which I'm sure all of you here who work in uh, those service areas love being called. Um, next one, now we have like hundreds and hundreds of thousands of them. So the point that that article was making is that not, not only are we not like making deep, meaningful friendships and relationships, but we're getting around that by paying people to listen to us, basically. So next one. Uh, not that there's anything wrong with that. I mean, I have a counselor too. You should, but that's a different teaching, all right? Uh, <laughs> social media, some people would say social media, oh, it's, it's, you know, we got all these things. We're talking all the time, right? Well, so I'm going to read this whole quote to you because I think we can all see ourselves in here somewhere. Everywhere you look, people are alone together, which is the title of the teaching, and I stole it from that lady, Sherry. Um, in restaurants, families and colleagues sit at the table and don't talk with one another. I actually remember being in a restaurant couple years ago, and I looked over, and the kid had headphones in, and was like on his thing, and the dad was on his thing, and I looked at my family all self-righteous, and I was like, this will never happen, but it has. Um, They text, they text other people in parks, Uh, mothers are not talking to, which by the way, that's a little sexist, like do dads not take their kids to the parks? What the heck? All right. Have you ever, dads, have you ever been to the park with your kids? This has nothing to do with the teaching. And moms act like they need to help you. Have you ever had that happen? I find that very offensive. In the parks, mothers are not talking to their children or to each other. They're staring at their phones. Watch a group of teenagers walking down the street silently typing. Um, Apparently the person who wrote this is like a stalker of some kind. Uh, Children are sitting in strollers playing with iPads. Watch people at church texting. Not in this church. All right. And checking their, their Facebook uh, the problem is not that we're not communicating all the time, communicating through text, emails, Facebook, and Twitter. The problem is we're talking at each other and not with each other. Can I get an amen, Josh? I know. We have little sips of relationship, but not long, cool drinks. We have many more connections, but they are more superficial than ever. Um, so community is good for you. Community is good for you physically. People who have more extensive social ties live longer. People... Um, who have deeper friendships are happier, and people who have connections and support systems overcome difficult issues in their life easier. The community is good for you. So what we're going to do today, because you've heard me talk a lot so far um, at City Light, so I'm going to take a back seat, and I'm going to ask some questions to our esteemed panel of experts on community. Um, I've got the questions. Yeah, you should get the mic. That'd be good. Okay. So um, we're going to just hear some stories from then, and then I'm going to wrap it up at the end. And uh, you guys, we've got like 20 minutes, okay? So that should be enough for Alex. <laughs> All right, so um, I'd like to start by asking a few of you to share a quick story of how community has been powerful in your life. It doesn't have to be all four of you. 
Oh, yeah. Howdy. Let the waterworks begin. All right. <laughs> so before he even said that, I was like, there's no way I'm crying. And now he's, he uh, said I'm going to cry, so I'll probably just cry. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. Um, so mine's a little bit um, abstract. Actually, it's not that abstract. But um, I have tons of examples how communities, like, directly impacted me and my family. Um, but something that really stood out to me when um, Christian was asking me about this is I moved here about 10 years ago from Idaho. Um, yeah, anybody from Idaho? Oh, there's one. Hey, Dad. Oh, look, we got some more. All right. Woo! All right. Go Idaho. All right. So um, for me, I felt like, um, you all right? <laughs> oh, yeah, you are. You are. My bad. My bad. All right. Actually, Rebecca and I were actually born in the same hospital. Woo! Yeah. Okay, there's two in the whole state, but one of them. All right. Sorry, I'm taking too much time. It's like Alex. Okay. Um, no, so for me, I, um, I had a lot of my identity wrapped up in where I was from, and I felt like that was home, and there's no way I was going to have a community like I did back there. My family's from there. Um, uh, we had great community at our church. And when I first moved here, I really struggled with... Um, you know, feeling like that I had friends and uh, community, and I just struggled a little bit in my faith of like, hey, um, you know, I don't feel like I belong here, even though we felt like we were supposed to be here, and I didn't really feel like this was my home, and so when um, I actually did decide to uh, plug into community and let people into my life, um, I was able to actually realize that it's not about a place, but it's about um, community, and so as soon as I was able to do that, I feel like that I was able to, it was a turning point for me, for my faith, and for just my identity that wasn't wrapped up in a place, but it was wrapped up in where, um, what, what defines home is, you know, where people that love me and where I'm plugged in, and um, even though Idaho will always be my home, this is, this is my home. So um, community really, um, you know, kind of you know, just wrap that up for me. So, anyways. No? Okay. <laughs> All right, I'll keep going. No, yeah. the, the next question actually is for Josh, so. Oh, okay. Oh. Okay. No one else wants to share a quick story? You, your stories are all wrapped up in, okay. Well, they, well, no, I have. They, they have their stories. Okay. Do you want to do that now, or are you going to do it when I ask you, you your question? You okay, so, um, Josh. <laughs> okay, great. You might not know this, but Josh is, and Christine, that's Josh's wife right there, Christine. Raise your hand so they know. Yeah, I pointed to the whole church. Yeah. Um, they, uh, they're our small group ministry leaders, and uh, they lead almost all of our small groups. So, um, That's not true. 30%. 30%. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So you, you have a lot of small groups in your house, and when you're not having a small group, you're usually having friends over. Um, you're probably the person that I know who, like, actually acts on what they say about community, probably more than anybody I know. And so... Um, no, I'm going to cry. Um, so, Josh, sell us on community. Why is it so important? Like, okay. what, if, what if you had a room full of people who didn't want to be in community, yeah. who didn't want to bond and make sacrifice and make time to make friendships? Yeah. Why is it so important to you? Um, because we're a glutton for punishment. No, I'm just kidding. No, no I'm, totally, I'm totally joking. I think part of that feeds into what I was talking about before is that we've seen um, time and time again where God has used community and relationships to breathe life into people's circumstances. And so for us, I, I feel like I've seen that firsthand for myself. I've seen that for my family. I've seen that for my friends. And um, I think a lot of times we feel like we're too busy to get involved or that um, 
we don't have the energy, um, and we're, we're all busy. I mean, we're all different, you know, uh, have different things going on in our life, and life is just crazy. But I think we can make a choice to either be busy without community or we can choose to plug in and let that community surround us in our busyness and be able to live out that life. And so, so what we've seen is just the practical application of just people surrounding us with um, when things are hard. You know, like, for example, um, I was in a hospital for a week, um, and people in this community just surrounded us being able to, like, bring us meals and coming to the hospital. And so we've seen that in the practical application, but also just not just in the bad times, but also surrounding us, you know, in our accomplishments. And so for me, I mean, there's just something about that. And just being able to speak into people's lives and actually have people speak into my life. And, and so there's all those different things where that relationship is, I think, is, is a reflection um, of our relationship with God. And so if we can use those things and really be open to that, I think that um, there's a lot of value there for us. And um, I think another thing, um, not even from the practical, I mean, another practical application is this is a great community to get together and serve. And that's part of the vision of this church. And I think we can grow in our relationships with each other through service. I think that's one of the best ways for us to grow, and that's why we love, um, in the small groups, one of the main focuses is to serve together, and there's so much growth that happens in friendships, and I know when you guys went to those mission trips, and there's just something about um, serving together and doing things together that really um, breathes life into people and to people's circumstances, so hopefully that answers that. Not at all, okay, but good, good try. I'll keep going. No, just <laughs> uh, okay, so Mandy... You are um, one of the more introverted people that I know, which is a great combination because I'm extremely extroverted, so <laughs> we balance each other out. So, you know, how do you, being so introverted, I've also seen how you'll make time for community. You know, small group, you, you make priority to go to church, to serve other people, um, to hang out with friends even, and all of that, like, I'm not, like, revealing things she wouldn't tell you, but that's all difficult. That doesn't come naturally to you. So why do you, can you give some advice or some helpful pointers to the other introverts? Because we could probably do a show of hand and probably be 50-50 in here. Um, The other introverts in here who are like, this is the most terrifying teaching we've ever heard. (laughs) Jesus said to do it, so now I just have to do it. That's all that it is now. Um, (laughs) That's not true. Um, I am an introvert. Um, I'm more, um, I'm not a shy person, so I'm not, you know, I think introverts get a bad rap because that means they're shy too. If you're shy, that's fine. I'm not necessarily shy, so normally when people meet me, they're like, wait, you're an introvert? So it's, I know, it's like, I'm you're very, I'm faking. You're very, very complicated. I am complicated. <laughs> We've been married almost 20 years, and that's all I've learned so far. <laughs> Oh, that's another panel. But, um, <laughs> but um, the way that I think, you know, we, as Josh was just saying, but um, through crisis and through, you know, just the ups and downs of just day-to-day life, I think that the things that have been really important to me, um, and I've seen the value in those relationships, is just that, and it's actually, the more I thought about this, the more I thought, that's really selfish because, <laughs> you know, me seeking other relationships has really been to my benefit because I've been able to get to know other people and get to see their lives and, like, get involved with them more. Um, and I love that, um, but on a one-on-one type <laughs> thing. 
when it's really well planned and I don't have anything afterwards <laughs> and I can hide in a closet for a little while <laughs> after that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, so I think for an introvert, someone who doesn't, you know, love... No, no one's ever going to hang out with you again. <laughs> <laughs> I do love people. That's the weird thing. I don't know. I'm sorry for who I am. But um, I think that, you know, one of the challenges for me, I think, is... Um, being, I think for me being an introvert, it's, and this isn't for everybody, but I'm very prideful in this area. Like I don't need other people. Um, cause I can do it myself. I'm very self-sufficient. I'm very independent. I like to do things by myself. I don't want your help and you'll probably do it wrong anyway. So I just want to do it myself. <laughs> so, um, so for me, it's been a real humbling process to really say that I actually need somebody else to come into my life and come into my space and know that I can grow from them and actually learn from them too. So, all right. So um, we got about like twelve minutes left. Oh man, I know. Don't tell. I'll use it all. <laughs> Two minutes. Two minutes left. I mean, um, okay. So you guys have been going through a pretty difficult time in life for the last. We're how long have you been married? <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Long time. <laughs> but seriously, you've been going through a hard time the past couple of years, and um, just wanted if you know you guys are pretty transparent. Just share with us a little bit how communities helped you, and you can say I don't know what you want to say about the hard time you're in. You don't have to, but um, but okay. just share a little bit about how communities helped you guys. Because right. what I've tried to establish is community is important. And it's good at all times in your life that even if you're not necessarily natural at it, there's things you can do to overcome that. And it's not just for the hard times, which is what we were trying to establish. It's for the good times, too. But also, it's a real big asset when you are going through a hard time. Yeah, so um, introvert, crier, um, I guess we're crazy big family. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> you're not a crier. I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> um, so Heather and I have eight kids, if you haven't met us. Um, some of our kids are here. Others have grown. We actually um, have a daughter-in-law, too, now, and a, a grandbaby. Um, so if you want to see pictures of the grandbaby, <laughs> talk to Heather afterwards. You guys look so young, it's, like, impossible to believe. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, Heather does. <laughs> We've aged. Past few years. <laughs> so... Um, so our, like, our perspective kind of comes from, you know, being parents or grandparents. Um, and also, you know, I'll, I'll share that part of my perspective comes from my experience at, at um, leading a, helping plan another church. And so I have a bad experience of community and a good experience of community. And so I'm going to kind of talk about that a little bit. So in two minutes. Uh, so, my, <laughs> so Heather and I helped lead a church. Um, and, and it was a, a great start, but I think quickly right off the bat there was this spirit um it was this unspoken spirit of um a requirement to be perfect so i don't know if you've ever been in one of those churches where you know everybody seems perfect um we never actually seen we we weren't perfect (laughs) but you know we we actually helped lead it so there's you know there's that extra you know expectation to be perfect um and so you know and if there was any if there's any cracks in that facade, um, whether it be as husband or wife or parents of children, um, that was a poor reflection on the church, hmm. but especially, you know, as leaders. So that was, you know, there's no place for that. 
Um, and that, there was just a sense of condemnation um, and imperfection. And, and that, um, that, we suffered from that for a while. Um, eventually, the church ended up collapsing under that spirit. Um, and we, we, we sought refuge um, with this community. Um, and we actually took a long time to heal from that. Um, it took several years to actually um, walk through that and, and heal from that. Um, you know, fast forward, you know, that was several years ago. We have eight children. Um, uh, several of them have grown up. Um, and as they get older, you know, um, they practice being adults, you know, and they don't know. <laughs> and they have really bad role models, you know. <laughs> so um, That was the most politically correct way you could ever say. That's amazing. They so, practice being adults. I like so, that. You know, so um, as they get older, you know, the, the mess-ups in life, you know, ha- come with deeper consequences and more severe consequences. And we experience that. Um, and there's one point in particular where we just felt um, just really devastated in our lives, um, a point where we were just raw with um, a, a sense of brokenness. Um, and we were very vulnerable um, and our past experience with, with community was one of judgment. And um, what happened was we had a community of people that came alongside of us and encouraged us, um, loved us unconditionally, um, just spoke truth into our lives. And um, in that, that point of vulnerability, um, that grace that was given to us, we were then able to translate that and give that freely to our kids um, and and I think that was a huge difference from before because when in the past, in that negative community experience, we weren't given grace as people. And so it was really hard for us to pass that grace on to our children. Um, so I would just say, you know, Christian, two weeks ago you, you mentioned it's a prerequisite to be a sinner, to follow Jesus. I would say it's a prerequisite to have an imperfect family um, to follow Jesus. And so it is so... <laughs> so if that resonates with you, um, then I would say that this is the community for you. <laughs> so hopefully that was, that was nice. Okay. I wrote mine down. <laughs> I timed I, it, so it's three minutes. And I'll need these now. <laughs> so um, Christian asked to, you know, us to talk about how community has been powerful, and immediately... Um, I wanted to share with you guys, um, try to get through this one without uh, the tissues. Um, in February, and here it goes, <laughs> our son, um, who was eight at the time, he was diagnosed with moderate to severe hearing loss in both ears. Um, Matthew was born with perfect hearing. He passed every screening. He had no injuries. He had no explanation to why it had happened was a complete shock to our family. His diagnosis has meant speech therapy, and he um, now has balance issues with the hearing loss that are associated with his diagnosis that require physical therapy and occupational therapy and a whole lot of specialty appointments. Um, since February, um, I have taken him to 50 appointments, and we also do therapy at home every day. So overall, it has been life-changing for Matthew and also for our family and the kids. Um, But when our community here found out, um, we were flooded with prayer, with visits, 
Um, people cried with us. Um, we were sent texts of encouragement. Um, and they also loved on Matthew and made adaptions for the things that he needed. And um, also, even just getting his aides um, on were um, a battle. Our insurance um, actually denied him. Um, he was the first child in the state of Maryland to be denied um, with the severe hearing loss that he had. So then we had another fight on our hands um, that lasted about two months. And during that time, again, I mean, the community just continued to support us and pray. And um, so we kind of felt like, okay, you know, we're at that point. We can kind of, we got this. It's, he got his AIDS on. And everything was going well. And, and then in July, there was a shift. And um, Matthew lost even more and in both years. Um, and that time, um, the, the church actually one evening even called Matthew up. And all the kids um, at church prayed over Matthew. Um, and so that was really powerful for us, but also for him, because he felt really um, supported. But um, this last time that it happened, um, that was really, I think, a harder moment. You talked about, like, when things happen more than once. <laughs> and that, um, that really gutted me. And I questioned God. And I became really angry with him. And ironically... I was the one who could no longer hear from him. And so it was at that point, instead of our community pushing me away or condemning me or judging me, um, they just showed up again. And they spoke truth when I couldn't hear it. And um, that's when I began to hear God again through you guys. Sorry. There's a story in the Bible that reminded me of when the Israelites go to battle. And Moses has to stand there and he has to hold his arms up. And he just can't hold them up anymore. And he has people, two guys, come alongside of him. And they physically hold his arms up so that this can happen. And that is what our community has been to us. You guys have been our arms. You've held us up. And so in the last two weeks, uh, Matthew actually lost more. Um, hearing he's now deaf in his left ear. Um, and we are looking to get cochlear implants hopefully next month. And um, through that, God has actually grown our community and brought other people into our lives and brought them in the circle of support and love. Um, and also, um, Matthew just feels that. He actually has been such a trooper through that because he's felt the love and support from you guys. He has not complained once. And that's actually not an exaggeration um, through this entire process. He, um, he's been positive and thankful. And he packs his little cards because this place is safe for him. And he loves you guys so much. He tells all of his therapists about you guys. He tells every doctor, every specialist at the hospital. He is, and he does it with a smile on his face. And he just... He just loves you guys. And so that has meant uh, the world to Alex and I that, you know, this little kid, you know, he, he loves you guys and he feels safe. And he, he feels, you know, he feels the community here as well. So. And you've, you've met Matthew because uh, he's on the parking team. 
So the little guy who's out there with the vest on. Because um, we felt like in the parking lot with cars right. was the best place for him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. His uncle's invited over. Okay, so... Caleb, we're not going to do a song, but just give us some background music. We're gonna, I'm going to finish up, and then we'll release people to lunch and stuff, but you can just get some music on. Um, okay, I want to just share with you a verse um, just to kind of cement some of the testimony you've heard. So, um, you know, normally I tell you who, who wrote, the, you know, there's a lot of letters in the Bible from uh, followers of Jesus, who we call apostles, to churches that they started. There's not a whole lot of agreement on who wrote this book that we call Hebrews. Um, it's a letter that's been put into the Bible. But we don't totally know who wrote it, so I can't tell you. But um, this verse is powerful. It says, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good, serv- good works. And let us not neglect meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. And I want to just give you three things that I see in that verse. Um, the first is that we need to be together. That that's a discipline that doesn't happen automatically or accidentally. And if you hang around with me much as a preacher, I talk a lot about intentionality. I, I, I don't feel like things happen on accident. Um, and so we need to make time. Like community is not going to happen on accident, right? We need to make time. We need to make an effort. We need to probably sacrifice. Let us not neglect meeting together. Do you know, <clears throat> this is like a thing that only pastors know, but uh, people, uh, average church attendance is um, twice a month now. That's what people call average church. Like if you were to say I'm a regular attender of church, what you would mean is you go twice a month. Um, it's not good enough, people. Uh, so we need to be together. And Sunday mornings is not enough. We need to be together in small groups. We need to be together in serving the community. We need to be together in our lives. Um, we need to have our ears and our eyes open for when people are going through stuff like this so that we can, you know, it's, it's never going to fit into your schedule to be in community. It, it's, it's never going to be convenient. And on the other side of that, some of you are sitting here right now and you're like, I'm hurting like Heather and Alex are hurting, but I don't feel like I've got that community. And we want to welcome you into the community that is here. We want to get to know you. We want to carry, there's a, a, Jesus says to carry one another's burdens, and we want to carry our, your burdens with you. And so you're not alone. Um, it's, it's, it's a lie or a deception that you're alone, but you're not alone. And there's somebody here who's going through something similar. And so even if it's your first time here, we are so excited that you're here. And we want to welcome you to be part of this community. We need, we need to be together. We need to not just be together, but we need to be thoughtful about it. Um, let us think of ways. Let us, let us be present when we're together. Let us be thoughtful. What, what does it mean to be a friend? What does it mean to be your friend? What does it mean to really know one another? This isn't something where, it, again, like you can be together but be alone together. So what are we bringing to the table? What are we investing in that relationship? What of ourselves, what are we thinking about that, we, that could be good for the other person? Let's be thoughtful in our community. And lastly, let's be vulnerable. This is often the hardest one, right? But let's let people <laughs> in. Well, you, you kept saying plug in, right? You need to like, 
there's a decision, there's a, and, and there's trust, and there's, there's figuring out who is trustworthy, and, and I understand all of that, but there's a time. It's, it's easy to stay at the periphery, especially in a church, man. It's easy to just, like, stay on the edges, and, and, and I understand for a, there may be a season where that's appropriate, but we want to just keep inviting you in, and keep inviting you in, because there's a life when you plug in, when you become vulnerable and you share your struggles. There's no judgment here. You know, there's not that perfect facade that we're expecting you to uphold. And I think you see that hopefully from the people who are up front. You know, we're broken people and that's why we need Jesus. If I had it all together, I wouldn't really need Jesus, right? I, I need him on a daily, moment by moment basis. And, um, you know, I heard it, it said a bunch in the vineyard, don't trust a leader who doesn't have a limp. Like, we're going to show you that we're imperfect people relying on the grace of Jesus. And we want to invite you into that process, into that journey together. So be vulnerable. Like at your small groups, uh, it's, we had a time at small group recently. One of the people in our group was just saying, you know what? Like the, my risk that I'm taking in life is being here because <laughs> this is terrifying. And I loved hearing that because that's not my reality at all. I could be around. And that wasn't Mandy even. Yeah. <laughs> I love being around people. So be vulnerable. Begin to share the, the, the struggles and the celebrations. We, we really encourage you. So um, let's think of ways to motivate one another. Let's think of ways to bless one another. Let's think of ways to encourage one another. And listen, if you're here today and you're like, you know what, I don't even know where I am with this Jesus thing. Like I hear a lot about Jesus. I don't know if I think the Bible is like... You know, I don't know why you treat that any higher than any other book. Or I don't know that I would say I'm a follower of Jesus yet. Like, so we invite you in anyway. <laughs> like, community is good for you whether you are a follower of Jesus or not. And this community is good for you whether you're a follower of Jesus or not. And belong here. You know, like on our website, the first thing you see when you scroll down, it says you belong here. We really mean that. Like, we want you to, to dive in head first to community here. So, um... Normally we have a response and reflection time and we're not going to do that today because it's 11.15 and we value ending on time. Okay? So, Jesus, we thank you for loving us so that we can love each other. Thank you for giving us each other. Thank you for community. Just right now, God, we just take a moment and we just ask the people that are hurting in this room that you would touch their hearts, God. You have the encouragement. You have the love. You have the strength. You have the healing that we need. And we just ask that you would begin to touch our hearts. You know, vulnerability often starts with God. Just invite him into those places of your life right now. Just saying, I need, is a big step. Like Mandy was saying, we need you, Jesus. We need your healing. We need your love. And I pray that you would challenge us and encourage us to grow in community, God. God, we thank you for Capriati's subs. We're going to enjoy them. We thank you, God. We pray that you would bless the eagles as they rest this week, God. Heal any injuries. Prepare them for yet another victory. Amen. All right. So uh, head on over there. And seriously, we're going to hang out. We're going to put on some music and have some fun together. So head on over.